if it's this is your week to be with your kids, try to make the most of it and, and to be intentional. And it doesn't mean taking the Disney world, right? It just means being with them. Thank you for joining us for the Blended Kingdom Families podcast. This podcast is for blended families, the people who love them, and anyone who just wants to improve their marriage and family relationships. BKF exists to break the cycle of divorce, equip marriages, and unite blended families with the truth of God's Word. It is our hope that today you will receive biblical guidance and practical resources that will bring unity and peace to create your thriving, healthy home. Let's jump in. Hey guys, welcome to the BKF Podcast. We are so excited you're here with us. If you haven't already, please take an opportunity, like, share, comment, subscribe to our podcast. If you're listening on Audible, you know that you can go to our YouTube channel. You can see all of our podcasts in video format. We'd love to uh, alert you to new podcasts every Monday when they're released. Today, we have an amazing, amazing guest with us today. Yes, you guys, we are so excited. We have Pastor Jonathan Pacluto with us, you guys. He is in the house, well, on our screen in the house, but we're excited to have you, Pastor Jonathan. Hey, I'm so excited to be here, and you nailed the last name, which I appreciate that. That's right. Yes. Well, I want to make sure we get it correct, but we are so honored and blessed to have you here with us. We're excited to jump in and just talk about your book and just hit some awesome topics. But first, I want to introduce you to our audience if they don't already know who you are. Um, pastor Jonathan is the lead pastor of Harris Creek Baptist Church, and he is also an author. Harris Creek Baptist Church is in Waco, Texas. For all you Texas folk, y'all know that. Okay. Um, he's formerly the lead, um, the leader of the porch in Dallas, Texas, which is where we are at. Um, and this has grown to be the largest weekly young adult gathering of its kind in the country, you guys. It is absolutely phenomenal. So if you're, you know, a, you know, a young adult, you've, you've got to go check it out. He's also the author of best-selling book, Welcome to Adulting, which offers millennials a roadmap to navigating faith, finding a spouse, finances, and the future. I mean, who doesn't need that, mm. first of all? Um, he His most recent release and bestseller, Outdated, which is what we're going to dive into a little bit today, was written after years of, of observing the changing landscape of dating. And JP's partner in ministry is his uh, is Monica, his beautiful wife of 16 years, and together they disciple their three children, Presley, Finley, and Weston. And he's been involved in ministry for over 20 years. So we have so much to glean and learn from you. And again, Pastor Jonathan, we're just so um, just humbled and blessed that you're here with us today. So thank you, guys. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for saying such kind things uh, about uh, myself, the ministry, the book, and it's just. It's fun to celebrate the amazing God that we worship with you guys. So, Thank well, you. it's it really is a cool book, and we're going to get to it in just a second. But before we do, uh, we just want to give you an opportunity to share anything else that you want the audience to know about you, your family, your ministry, anything you'd like to impart. Man, I, I'm just excited to be here. So I uh, I do a, a podcast called Becoming Something every week. I've I've kind of given my life to ministering to millennials and Gen Z. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a privilege to sit with the two of you and talk through just a, such an important topic of of blended family. It's like this is uh, doing twelve years, uh, well now fifteen years of vocational ministry, mm. uh, pastoring a church for the past three years. This is a hot topic. I mean, this is something that I spend a lot of time sitting with families, trying to help them navigate the com the combining of two worlds, if mm. you will. So yeah. I appreciate just the work that God is doing through both of you. Thank you, um, Thank you so much. Uh, 
on the socials, I'm at Jay Pacluda. And every Friday on Instagram, I do something called the Friday Q&A, where I'll, I'll take a couple thousand questions and answer <laughs> as many of them as I can. That's so awesome. Yeah. And we, we've watched that before. Yeah. So our, our creative team, we all sit together in the mornings and we'll, we watch, we get on and watch different people do prayer things <laughs> and all that. And so, yes, we have watched your stuff and you have some fans here at BKF, Pastor Let's Jonathan. Let's go. So I love that. it. I love it. So let's get into your book. And before, I, and I told you a second ago, I am absolutely in love with this cover. And the reason I love it is um, the the concept of dating has changed so much and the con, con, context of parenting has changed a lot. Uh, but your cover is the classic, looks like 50 style, you know, yeah. like what was dating and is it uh, outdated? So can you tell us a little bit about your heart for writing the book um, and, and what you feel like it, it would tell the reader? Yes, yeah, so I've, I've spent the past, you know, a little bit over a decade with young adults and most of them, the vast majority, like over 90% were single. And I've seen them try to navigate relationships in pastoral ministry. You do so much marriage counseling and pre-marriage counseling mm. and you learn that so much of ministry is pattern recognition. It's just seeing people make the same decisions leading to the same results. Some of those bad decisions, bad results. Some of those really good decisions, good results. And so specifically on the topic of dating, watching them navigate that and beginning to write down these patterns that lead to tremendous success along with the realization that dating has changed. Uh, the the uh, invention of dating apps, the, the websites, personality tests and profiles, mm. uh, we've really outsourced this to the digital game by and large. Mm. And so you're seeing some of the same challenges that guys don't ask girls out, that they feel like girls always say no, people are getting married later, they're getting married less, mm. and marriages aren't lasting. And so as I realized that people were applying God's word to their relationships and they were seeing success, I started to write down those patterns, which became this book. And my prayer with any resources, it's not about selling books. I mean, I, I became a minister because I wanted to help people follow Jesus. And so this is just a resource that I hope does that. I hope it helps people follow Jesus. That's good. Mm -hmm. yeah, that is so good. I love that. Well, Pastor Jonathan, you know, um, you know, we know one of the things that you're also passionate about is parenting and, um, you know, steps for being an extraordinary parent. We had talked about this together on the phone. And so, um, you know, yeah. we'd love to dive into that and just for you to hit those points. So I'm excited to hear about this and we may get through all of them and we may not, but um, would love for you to just dive into that. Yeah. And it, it, we, you know, we can ha just have a discussion. I'll tell you the heart behind that is doing the porch for 12 years. I'm really sitting with the results of parents parenting, right? Mm. And so these are young adults fresh out of the nest. And what I, I learned is some of them were just absolutely extraordinary. And someone told me some time ago that extraordinary people come from extraordinary parents. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was interesting. And so I began to interview their parents because some of them were sibling groups, like just mm -hmm. really, I'm talking in, in the midst of tens of thousands of young adults, they just pop, like there's something special about them. Yeah. And so I would ask them, I'd just say, hey, what did your mom and dad do really well? Because I, I was moving into that world, that season, becoming a new dad myself. And so now I have a 14 year old, which is crazy, mm -hmm. crazy, crazy, crazy. But as I was entering into that, I, I just wanted to be a better dad. And so I started writing down those patterns. And, uh, and so, yeah, there, there are just these concepts, these reoccurring themes, for example, uh, extraordinary parents pray persistently. And so that was something that every single 
person said about their mom and dad is they just prayed for them. And so I've done weddings, you know, where the, the, the mom and dad at the rehearsal dinner will get up and they'll talk about the, the new in-law, if you will, or in-law to be, and they'll just say, you know, I prayed for you every day. I prayed that they would marry, marry a God fearing person, that they would marry a, mm. a God fearing man or a God fearing woman. And so here I'm sitting in the midst of that answered prayer. And, and I love that, right? As we get to see those prayers answered. And I would just caution parents. You have to be careful how you pray for kids. For example, on the topic of marriage, if God has called them to singleness, which is a high calling in the scripture, Matthew 19 tells us that, 1 Corinthians yeah. chapter 7 says that. And I think this is really where the church has missed it, is we've elevated uh, mistakenly, we've elevated marriage above of singleness. And it's not. Jesus was single. Paul was single. And so as we pray for our kids and we pray for their spouses, that we should also pray. And Lord, if you if you have uh, the calling of singleness on their lives, I pray that they would be single for the sake of the kingdom, as the scripture calls them to be. Mm. So we have to pray mindfully and thoughtfully mm. with our children, for our children. And this should be something that we do all the time. Mm. Yeah, that's good. I, I, I love that. And and I think there is just so much power in that. Uh, I know Absolutely. Vanessa and I pray every night. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think you're the one, you, you pray a lot for spouses. You pray a lot for, yeah, for, for spouses, spouses. But we, we always pray and we're always so thankful for our boys and our kiddos. But I, you know, again, just encouraging parents to pray. And I know, yeah. you know, in, in our ministry, we come across a lot of people and a lot of couples that, mm -hmm. that don't necessarily pray together. Um, and again, just another encouragement to come together just to pray for your children. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Such a such powerful tool. Mm -hmm. And especially in the opportunity of, uh, of a blended family, the unique situation that that presents is, is maybe you are the step parent and you may be the only parent uh, that is, or the only mom or the only dad that is praying for them. And, that, and you're going to get to show them something else because while, while children will sometimes do what we say, they will most often do what we do. And that's why I think it's so important to live as examples. So if we want children to be prayers, we have to be prayers. But also if we want children of faith, then we need to live as parents of faith. And that's really the second thing that I would put in front of your audience is extraordinary parents live as examples of followers of Jesus. Like they set the pace. They say, hey, follow me like Paul did. Follow me as I follow Christ. And when in kids, they get to see you, not just in church, not just, you know, tucking your shirt. We're going into this place. We're going to act like we have it together. No, they get to see you behind the scenes at the dinner table, mm. everything that's happening. And, and one of the things that I've noticed amongst young adults that has really messed them up is the inconsistency. Parents who will say things like, well, I go to church because I think it's good for my kids. Was well, it not good for you? <laughs> you know, like yeah. that your kids are yeah. going to, they're, they're smart. They're going to, they're going to be onto that. You know, Carl, Marx's dad was Jewish, right? And he converted to Christianity because he thought it would be good for business. And that taught that taught Karl Marx something really interesting. He said, oh, this is just a tool. Like faith and religion, it's just a tool for me to use for financial gain. And it caused him to be really jaded toward all things of faith. And I see, I say that as an anecdotal story because I see that in children today, that when their parents are superstitious, and so they go to church out of some like karma, like, mm -hmm. hey, I hope God doesn't get me, so I'll show up and pay a penance for an hour on Sunday morning. Yeah. It really messes up their their view of God. And so the greatest mm -hmm. thing that we can do as parents is just live with a real authentic relationship with mm -hmm. Jesus, not living, not being concerned what others think. This is one of the worst things you can say to a child. Well, what are they going to think? 
Mm-hmm. You know, what, what are the Nate, what are the Smiths going to think about us? If you wear that to school or, or what are the Joneses yeah. going to think if you do that, or if you date that boy and, and what you're telling them is, Hey, we live as slaves to the approval of others. Like what's yeah. most important wow. to us mm-hmm. is what others think of us. What about what God thinks? Mm-hmm. You know, that that's Galatians one ten says, am I now trying to win the approval of God or of humans? Am I, or am I trying to please humans? Because mm-hmm. if I'm trying to please humans, I would not be a bond servant of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so it presents this dichotomy. It's like, you're either a, a slave to God's opinion or a slave to man's opinion. Yeah. But it, it, you know, it's one or the other. Yeah, hmm. that is so good. I love that. Yeah, you know, when you're talking about like childlike faith and just mirroring that to our children, it reminded me of our four-year-old. Man, this kid um, loves Jesus, but we've we instead of running to like medicine or the band-aid, like as soon as you know <laughs> something happens, he falls or this or that. You know, he came in the other day and he was like. Mommy, it hurts so bad. And, you know, and he was like, just pray for it. Pray for Jesus to heal it, you know, and they do. When you start acting out of faith, it's like, no, I'm not going to run to the Tylenol because I have a headache. I'm just using this for example. You know, we're going to pray that God, you know, like we're going to be delivered of that right now in Jesus name. Um, You're absolutely right. You know, they will. um, And and it's not an adopted faith because, you know, you you hear that term. There's no junior Holy Spirit. I mean, it is within within them. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, again, like teaching them and just hearing um, what yeah. that is. And so, yeah. yeah. Well, and you, you know, it's funny is raising kids is tough mm-hmm. and, and, and being a great parent is a high calling, but it's also tough. And, you know, again, you know, just relying on faith, uh, relying on grace is such an important ingredient in that extraordinary parent scenario. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I love that. I love what you're yeah. saying. Uh, what additional things would you add? Well, I just I think it is hard, right? It is difficult, and we're going to miss it, you know. And that's mm-hmm. why that you you mentioned grace, and I would just say the beauty of the Christian faith. One of one of the many benefits is that it offers us a process that when we miss it, we can ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Mm. And extra, extraordinary parents ask for forgiveness frequently. Mm-hmm. And, Good. and that's, that's a humble thing. I think when you go to a child, especially like, even like a six-year-old, you know, mm. and you're like, here I am, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm six, seven, 250 pounds, you know, and I go to my six-year-old and I'm just like, will you forgive daddy? I really missed it. And the way that I responded in that moment mm. and the way that when I was driving and, and how I just treated you and how I treated your mom, whatever the situation is, if, if you were dishonest, if you, if you did something, if you weren't a great example of a Christ follower, you just say, hey, look, mm. what I just did, that's exactly what not to do. I was not surrendered to the Holy Spirit in that moment. Mm. I was operating in the flesh. And so, you know, the other day, uh, you know, Weston, my, my eight-year-old son, he hit his sister mm. and uh, just, just like closed fisted in the back. She frustrated him and, mm. and he just took his anger out on her. And, and I saw him do it. He did it right in front of me. And I just, I grabbed him by the arm and I pushed him against the wall and I, in, in, in an intimidating way, you know, I, I hovered over him. And I just was like, you better not ever do that again. Mm-hmm. And I, I was re- responding out of anger. Mm. And and as in the moment passed, you know, I just I went back and I just said, hey, son, what you did was wrong. But what I did was wrong. The way that I treated you wrong was wrong. Mm. And I, I should have calmly, you, you deserve to be disciplined. You need to know that was wrong. But the way that I responded was out of anger. Would you please forgive me? And he just said, you know, dad, um, 
what I did was wrong. And you helped me realize that I'm grateful. Mm-hmm. And, and will you please forgive me for the way that I treated my sister and that I, I came to a place that, that caused you to, to need to discipline me, you know? Yeah. And I just, again, that example, I think where, where the kids ask for forgiveness and they see that humility and it's mm-hmm. not this just, you know, Hey, I'm just here to flex my authority over you mm. because yeah. you know, that's, that's what we've been called to is to, to yeah. frequently use the F word. And I say that the F word, because it's not a, I'm sorry. Like when in our family, when you say you're sorry, we're like, yeah, you are sorry. <laughs> what you did was sorry. <laughs> uh, but do you, but do you want to restore that by using the F word of, will you please forgive me? And it's an ask. It's not forgive me. You're not a command. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's a question. Mm-hmm. Will you please forgive me for, and then you insert, this is what I did to hurt you. And so that's just something we want to do frequently as parents. We want to model that for them. Absolutely. That's good. I, I, I think it's probably, it, it could be one of the most powerful things that we, we talk about on this, this, this time together in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, parents don't often go seek forgiveness from their children. Yeah. And, and we see this a lot in blended families. Mm. Uh, and we see this a lot with parents who have, who've messed up big time mm-hmm. and have caused, you know, fractures in families and have gone down the road and, and children are kind of left to pick up a lot of pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope that if you're listening to this and you're a parent, y- you understand that power of forgiveness and, and, and the power of asking for forgiveness. Well, and like it, you said, Pastor, go ahead, Pastor Jonathan. No, you're good. You're good. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, you know, there is so much power in that and just the humility factor. I remember sitting in the car with my, he's 15 now, but I w- it was last year. So he was 14. Um, but, you know, he asked me a really hard question. He was like, mom, if, you know, God, God knows everything and, you know, he knows my life and all that, you know, why did this happen? Like, did, why would he cause this to happen? And I had to explain to him, I was like, you know, for his parents to be divorced and, um, and his dad and I had our, our divorce happened when he was very young. And so, you know, I'm like, Lord, I'm like, we're here 14 years later and we're still here. You know, he's asking this question and I'm, and I'm like, you know, Michael, God did not cause that to happen. That's a product of sin, that of my sin, you know, and I just, we had a, just a very transparent, open conversation and, you know, and I had to ask for his forgiveness and I'm like, will you forgive me, um, you know, for what I've done and, you know, the, you know, the things that I did to your father. And it was a very, very humbling experience, but it was Mm -hmm. also, um, a moment I think that the Holy Spirit, you know, used to, um, you know, it drew us closer together. Mm-hmm. And I think it yeah. also brought him some understanding as well. You know, I think in the, in the situation of an ex to, that's going to be a big opportunity to ask for forgiveness when, when you, you know, you never want to say something disparaging about them. You don't want to paint a negative picture and there's such a temptation to, I know it can feel like such a competition. Yeah. And so just, just to, if you do, if you fall into that temptation, uh, and give the devil a foothold just to go back and, and remove that by saying, you know, will you please forgive me? The way I just talked about your father was not honoring to him. Yeah. And that's not what I want to do. Or the way I, what I just said about your mother was not honoring to her. Mm-hmm. And that, that's not the picture that I want to paint for you because she is uh, a God ordained authority in your life. And so I would just say another thing extraordinary parents do is, is they understand that, that there is no replacement for time. Like kids spell love T I 
M-E. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so it's just, it's, it's that, that presence is really the greatest presence to say in a different way. And so that can be challenging when, when homes divided, if you're, mm. you know, dropping off, picking up, if it's every other week, I think it can be even more important than to try to make the most of that. I'm not trying to put any undue pressure on anyone, but it, it, it sometimes it, it just requires a little planning and you can't hide behind the excuse. Well, I'm not a planner. I'm not organized. If, if it's, this is your week to be with your kids, try to make the most of it and, and to be intentional. And it doesn't mean taking the Disney world, right? It just means being with them, doing uh, what it is that they want to do, which may play, maybe playing rocket league on the PlayStation mm-hmm. or, or painting a picture or walking in the park or, or throwing the baseball, but whatever it is, just, just know that time together, if there's like a scoreboard that any time that you spend with them is a point. And so a trip to Disney world, that's a point. And so is a walk in the park. That's a point. So I think a mistake that regular parents make is, is they try to overcompensate for the fact that they've been absent by going on the big grand, you know, over the top trip. Mm-hmm. You don't need to do that. You just need to be present, you know, yeah. because you can look at your kids and you can imagine a shot clock over their heads, just slowly ticking down. Mm-hmm. And that's the reality. In fact, you can, you can do a really painful, excruciating exercise is, is just, you know, take uh, the number of, of however old they are, right. And subtract it from 18 and multiply mm-hmm. it by 52. And that's how many weeks you have left with them. Mm-hmm. And in fact, one thing that I do is, is I'll, I'll take that number of weeks and put jelly beans in a jar so I can see how many weeks I have left with each of my kids and tell them, mm-hmm. hey, they can have one jelly bean every week, you know, yeah. and and, uh, and just see that mm-hmm. that jar slowly decrease in weeks. Like those are the moments that I have to impact them because we've all been at a game, you know, where it's, it's a close score and at some point that buzzer goes off and the game is over yeah. and there's no more opportunities to put points on the board. And in reality, that buzzer is going to go off for us as parents much sooner than we think, than we realize, and it's going to surprise us. And and I see it right now on my Instagram feed, all these parents, you know, taking their kids off to college mm-hmm. and that's it, man. There's no more opportunities for them to put points on the board. I mean, those kids are out of the nest. They are in the hands of some young adult ministry at this point. Right? <laughs> so, at the porch. Yeah, that's right. At the porch. So, so just... Just realize kids spend, uh, our kids spell love, T-I-M-E. No, that's so true. We are, our 15 year old, he'll be 16 in February. And I was telling Scott, I was like, man, like it's about to go. Yeah. Like it is about to go. And, you know, you know, and, and life is busy. And we were just like, we were just, you know, having that conversation of, okay, we're Lord, what do we need to remove from the schedule? It was like, Lord, what do we need to lay down in this season? Because hmm. we have three years left with him. Yeah. Yeah. And so just, you know, being intentional about that. And I love that. I mean, such good advice. Well, I, yeah, for sure. the thing that you said that I love the most is kids don't have a barometer over a big mm-hmm. trip or a, a walk in the park. That's the same right. thing. Yeah. And, and we see that. And if you really paid attention, you would see that your kids ask you to do something small as much as they ask you to do something big. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Well, it probably means more to them to show up to the baseball game versus it does taking them to Six Flags, you yeah. know? Yeah. So, so, absolutely. Yeah, so as, you're, as you're trying to make the most of that time, one thing that's going to be important is that you remove things from that time and space that, that are fighting you for a biblical worldview. And, and so what I'd like to say is extraordinary parents teach boundaries. Mm, And, and this is huge because this is a new parenting problem. 
um, we get our children, you know, $700 or $900, you know, devices that they put in their pocket that they carry with them everywhere. And, and we don't realize what's happening on those devices. And I know it's not your kid because you're a churchgoer and you love Jesus or whatever. Maybe you're the pastor of your church, who knows? And so it's sure, certainly it's not your kid. And I'll just tell you, man, I, I teach on pornography because that's a huge part of my story and my past and what God has healed me from. And, and when I do that line, it just, it, the line in front of the stage of people that want to talk to me, and I'm talking young adults that want to talk to me, uh, it's, it's the longest it ever is. And they just come up one after the other, you know, how, how long you've been looking at porn since the fifth grade. I mean, if you have wow. a child in your home, more than 11 years old, older than 11 years old, statistically, they have probably seen hardcore pornography. I'm a pastor. My, my seven-year-old son is sitting next to me on the couch. I'm flipping through the TV. We have a new cable subscriber and I, and I get to all these channels where I'm like, Oh wow, I didn't know we had these channels. This is interesting. And I flip past one and it is all of a sudden on my TV screen in my living room is explicit, hardcore pornography. I'm not talking nudity. I'm talking hardcore pornography. And my, my seven-year-old sitting right next to me at the time. And and so now he's the statistic, you know, he's seen it. Mm. And, and so it's just like, how do we, prevent the enemy from coming into our homes instead of inviting him into our homes. And this means knowing who your kids are hanging out with, who they're friends with. And, and, you know, their parents that are listening right now, they're like, well, I just don't want to pry or, you know, they, I want to give them privacy. Hey, they, they can have privacy when they leave your home. The most loving Mm -hmm. thing that you can do is pry and understand everything that they're looking at. And, Mm -hmm. and you have to figure out ways, you know, whether it's Disney circle or that you get their texts, but if you're the kind of parent that is just like, well, I don't want to read their texts. You know, I want to give them that privacy. I just want you to know, I I candidly disagree with that based on the results of parenting that I've seen that I think the most loving thing you can do when they're in your home is to be aware. And that means being wise and when they get a phone and what kind of phone they get and what apps are on their phone and what freedoms that you, you give them, because it's, I I just can't stress enough Mm -hmm. how many kids, uh, young adults have stood in front of me that just, just wished parents that you would have been stricter in this area or more involved or more aware. Mm -hmm. And I know with the blended family piece, this can be challenging because it feels like, you know, you're, you know, for some of you, it probably feels like you're, you're sending them to Sodom and Gomorrah every other week, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I know that I know that things like that are said in the home yeah. and, uh, and, and that's where you, you better be on your knees that week, just mm-hmm. praying for God's protection and wisdom and yeah. show them something else and don't play this game. Well, I have to be as lenient as his dad, you know, otherwise mm-hmm. he's going to like him more let God sort that out. Kids are smarter than you think. And when they leave the home, they're going to look back and they're going to realize who was virtuous. They're going to realize who was God honoring. I mean, the kids, mm. the, the funny thing about kids is they become adults yeah. and, uh, and they have their wherewithal and their wits about them. And they begin to realize who really had their best interest in mind. Yeah, no, that's so good. And you see that so much. I mean, we hear that and, you know, we've experienced that as I grew up in a blended family and we are a blended family, but you do. It's, you know, you hear, oh, well, I, I just want to be the fun parent. I want to be the cool mm-hmm. parent. And then, yeah, and things like that happen. And then, you know, you know, being the parent that disciplines yeah. and has the routine and has the structure, you're not the fun parent. But at the end of the day, you know, it's exactly what you said. You know, what are we doing to protect them from the enemy? And then just hitting the ground, like you said, praying on, you know, mm-hmm. just praying, you know, God, 
protect their eyes, their ears, their heart, the things that they're hearing, the things that they're seeing. Um, yeah, and love that you mentioned that app. We use uh, TeenSafe yeah. for our son's um, phone. So yeah, we can read all that. And we actually didn't let our son, he didn't have social media. He didn't have apps. He didn't even have a video, or what is it, recorder. Yeah. We took the internet off of his. It was straight just text and calling. Well, you know? the, yeah. the, thing, the thing that occurs to me, and I think, you know, if you, if you need to give parents a reason, like, don't feel bad being a parent. Like, yeah. It, it, you know, it, they're not adults and uh, they're not, you know, they're just not. And so yeah. you don't have to feel bad about being a parent. You're not always going to be popular uh, as yeah. a parent. So um, yeah. they need they need a parent, you know, and they need yeah. they need um, they need someone to help them. And this is a new problem. Like it's it's mm-hmm. not like, the, you know, in in John, you know, we're talking about people, you know, checking out different apps on their phones. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you you hear of so many parents say they're like, oh, my daughter's my best friend or, oh, my son's my best friend. You know, it's like, yeah, no. Yeah, (laughs) they don't need best friend. They they got their own best friend. They be be the mom and dad. And that's why maybe maybe the least popular thing I'll say and and an important one is just extraordinary parents discipline, you know, uh, consistently, calmly Mm -hmm. and, and with care. And I think that's that's one where it's not always fun because what, what ordinary parents do is they think it's inconvenient. You know, we're in the grocery store now. I can't do this. They they think, well, I don't I want you to like me because I'm in this weird competition, you know, with my ex. And they, they think these things. Another thing ordinary parents do is they count to three, you know, one, two, mm. three. And, that, and all that really teaches is delayed obedience. Yeah. And so so I think what I've seen extraordinary parents do, and, and, and here's an interesting one on this. This was the most standout of all the parents that I interviewed and all the quote unquote extraordinary young adults that I interviewed. This was the one that was the most consistent is they were just kind of like, you know, my dad, he just didn't put up with anything. And I knew he loved me, but he disciplined me really consistently or my mom, you know, and, and, uh, and that, that picture, I mean, that stood out to me as a dad of a just like, okay, I want to, I want to be that. And so that example for Weston, the reason where I pushed him against the wall earlier, you know, and grabbed his arm, the reason I would say I missed it is because I was operate, operating out of anger. Mm. And so I've tried to make it, a, I tried to make it a game for myself of just how calm can I be? Mm. And, and here, I'm going to give you a metaphor. I'm going to give your listeners a metaphor that I just think is genius. I wish I could take credit for it, but I heard someone taught this, teach this once. And it's just absolutely brilliant. And it was this is you want to be a referee. And so a referee at a football game, right? He, he, he's when, when the other team jumps off sides, he's not like, what are you doing? What were you thinking? You're so, st- I can't believe you did that. It's just this really cool calm. Like, Hey, you did this and here's the consequence. And the, and the consequence was predetermined long before you did the infraction. And every mm-hmm. time you do that same infraction, it's this consequence. And this other infraction has this consequence. And so everything, everybody knows the rules. Uh, whenever they mess up, whenever they break the rules, there's no warning. The referee never comes to him and says, hey, man, I saw you jump off sides. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to get, you know, next time you do that, if you keep doing that, right? They just, everybody knows these are the rules. And if you break the rules, this is the, the consequence assigned to you breaking the rules. So in our home, we, we discipline for deceit, disobedience, and disrespect. And we say deceit is double trouble. So whatever, if you ever lie, uh, the consequence is, is twice what it was. You know, it's not five yards, it's 10 yards, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so 
And so those those are the things. And everybody knows, like, hey, I'm I'm the referee. I get to determine if it was disrespectful. Uh, I get to determine if you were deceitful, and and I get to determine if you were disobedient. But if I determine that you were, it's discipline the first time, every time, same time, you know, same thing. And you never have to wonder, and that's just the way it's going to be, and it's going to be unemotional. And we're going to sit in here, and we're going to hug afterwards, and I'm going to tell you that I love you, and that's what's going to go down because I'm the mm-hmm. dad and you're the child. And and I may miss it one day, but uh, I think for the time that the days that I get it right is going to cover a multitude of of those wrongs. Absolutely. So good. Be the referee. I I I, uh, I love the metaphor. By the way, I I do love it. Can I can I can I can I have the whistle? Because I need a whistle. I got I got four boys. I got to get their attention somehow. Um, so one of the great things is we 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 put to our audience, hey, we were going to be spending time with you. We had a few questions come in. Yeah, uh, I think we've got time for one, um, and I think I've picked a really good one. So again, a lot of young adults who watch our podcast. So the question is, is how can I, as a young adult, prepare for marriage with a person who has been divorced? Yeah. The way that you can prepare for marriage as a young adult with a person who has been divorced mm-hmm. is is the way that you prepare for marriage with any kind of person. Mm. It's, it's it's to date well, to do it differently than the world does. Yeah. And to realize that with any person, this this phrase that I'm about to say is you're choosing your problems, right? Mm. No one's perfect. You're not going to marry Jesus. <laughs> and so as you're as you're choosing someone, a partner in ministry that you're going to spend the rest of your life with, you're choosing someone imperfect. And so be aware of the cho- the problems you're choosing. Yeah. So with somebody who's divorced, that even that's a just a blanket statement because are they divorced with children? And mm. so now you 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 overnight become a parent. Or are they divorced with the with a crazy ex who's very much in their life and has legal trouble and is going to mm. you know come after you the rest of the, your days? Um, is it was it a, a you know a long marriage? Are they divorced with with decades of history with somebody? Is it you know what are those situations? Is there is their ex's parents still in life? And so you just want to be aware of that and and know the challenges that you're choosing and 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 you know go into that and be supportive. But in marriage, you know Ephesians five, it's husband love love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So it, the the call of husbands is sacrifice. And then it says, as you mutually submit to each other, and it says, wives submit to your husbands, right? Yeah. And so what I see in the call of scripture is this sacrifice and submission, sacrifice and submission, sacrifice and submission. And so you have to go into that eyes wide open, knowing what are going to be the challenges attached to sacrifice and submission. And you begin to train now as a young adult. And, and a simple way that you can do that, that I always say that's not very popular, is, is, you know, always have roommates, uh, especially the dysfunctional ones, you know, the ones that don't do the dishes and leave the house messy. Those that's amazing training for marriage. Yeah. <laughs> so don't ne- never live alone. If you're a single person and you desire yeah. marriage, that's what I would say. That is hilarious. That it's is so, so good. true. That is so, so true. true. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, Pastor Jonathan, we, you know, the last question that we always last ask our, um, anyone that comes onto the podcast is Bloody Kingdom Families. It's the name of our ministry. When you hear that name, what does it mean to you or what do you think of? Yeah, I just think of the word discipleship, mm-hmm. right? And so when I hear families, like the first great commission, you know, we, we think about the, the great commission is, you know, going to the, the ends of the earth. 
um, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, Matthew 28. But the first Great Commission actually shows up in the first pages of Genesis where, where God says, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And so God's original plan for discipleship was in the home. And so when you're when if, when you have one family colliding with another family, it, you know there's some unique challenges attached to that. But it's really a unique discipleship opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, and this is the beauty of the perspective that I had is I cannot tell you. I'll always ask people their story, how they came to Jesus, and how many people have told me, you know what. It was my stepmom. Like I didn't really have an example of a follower of Jesus until my stepmom came in my life, or it was my stepdad. You know, my real dad, he wasn't really an example. He was an alcoholic. He wasn't really an example of a Christ follower, this, that, and the other. But my stepdad, when he came into my world, he just began to talk to me about Jesus and the things of God. And that's how I became a Christian. And so as as a parent or a step-parent, you have a really unique opportunity. Or even as, and maybe there's no, no children in the picture, I mean, just two worlds colliding, you have a really unique opportunity. And I'd love to just end with this if I could, really briefly. I, I want to say one more thing about extraordinary parents. Extraordinary parents know that extraordinary parenting is an extraordinary grace. Mm. And what I mean by that is sometimes you do everything right and and your kids, you know, they go astray. And I think as parents, and this is important, and I hope everybody stay tuned for this thing. I think we take way too much credit when things go well and way too much blame when they don't. Mm. And, and, and you, you just, you can't always judge obedience by the outcome. That's the reality because while extraordinary people do come from extraordinary parents, sometimes extraordinary people come from orphanages and sometimes they come from abandonment and sometimes they come from abuse. And that's an extraordinary grace. That is God, the perfect father in heaven, just intervening saying, Hey, you know what? I'm going to show you my majesty, my magnitude, my power, my might in this situation by taking something that was terrible, like a, like a, like a tomb. And, and turning it into a resurrection because that's the kinds of things that he does. And I just want everyone to know that, that it is an extraordinary grace at times uh, what happens in the end. Man. That's good stuff. Drop the mic. That was so good. No, And I love that you said that about the step-parent. I, I came to know Christ through my stepsister and then my mom actually became a believer after I did and my dad baptized her. And so have my mom and stepdad, mm. you know, not married, I don't know, you know, to this day. So absolutely. Um, but man, that was so good. Well, Pastor, I feel like we could do like yeah. four episodes with you, Pastor Jonathan. Because, <laughs> let's, do, let's go. We'll do it. Yeah. Well, Pastor Jonathan, it, it really has been an honor to be with you. Yes. Um, we love your heart for loving people. We love that, uh, you wrote this great book. Uh, I am looking forward to reading it and I, I know it to our 15 year old and be like, check yeah. this out. We'll make, we may make him, we'll assign this to our 15-year-old to read and see what he thinks about it. Uh, it'll be great. Uh, last thing is, is we want to make sure that everybody knows, I know you said it earlier, but we want to say it one more time, where people can find you. So Instagram and Twitter is at jpokluda. My last name is P-O-K-L-U-D-A. So J-P-O-K-L-U-D-A. Uh, Jonathan and Monica Pakluda on Facebook and uh, Becoming Something Podcast. You know, we put, we release a podcast every Monday. Wonderful. Awesome. Well, again, thank you, Pastor Jonathan, um, for joining us today. And we just honor you and honor the work that you're doing as well. So thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Such a joy, friends. Thank you for having me. It's, it's fun to be with you guys. Oh, thank thank you. you. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. You guys, we hope you have an amazing and blessed day. So be blessed in all that you do. Take care.
Hey guys, so glad you were here with us today and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And you can find more resources from Blended Kingdom Families at blendedkingdomfamilies.com. Join us again next time as we hang out with more amazing podcast guests. And remember, nothing will be impossible with God.